Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tuesdays with Townsend, a podcast from Rivertown Church in Brattleboro, Vermont. My name's Ben Whittinghill, and it's my privilege to sit down each week with one of my fellow pastors and dear friends, David Townsend, to ask him questions about challenging issues, biblical texts, and sometimes random topics. Why, David? We say often around here, David likes to know stuff, and we all benefit from what he knows. It's our goal to serve you as you seek to follow Jesus faithfully in a post-Christian context. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to our first ever episode of Tuesdays with Townsend. Um, I named this, so my name is Ben Whittinghill if we haven't met each other, and uh, this is David Townsend. And uh, I just want to introduce this idea uh, to you of why uh, Tuesdays with Townsend. So, um, one, because it's alliterated. So Tuesdays with Townsend, it just kind of has a catchy feel to it. David's off on Tuesdays. So that also helps us uh, be able to record, but David and I've talked about this idea of having uh, a podcast where I interview him about just uh, a host of topics that would be of particular interest to the church, uh, but also just anybody living in our current cultural moment. And so, uh, David is a pastor of our church, and he's kind of our resident um, theologian slash uh, he has a uh, constantly internally working Encyclopedia Britannica. Um, David, <laughs> you know, frequently quips that um, I asked David a lot, hey, do you just remember every single thing that you read? And he's humbly says, no, not everything, just if it interests me. Uh, and he says that without jest, it's, it's kind of funny. So uh, we're going to do a couple of things on these uh, Tuesdays with Townsend. Uh, we're going to have some pre-loaded uh, topics just based on uh, some interest polls that we have done, trying to figure out what would be helpful to the church. And so we've heard you uh, on different texts that you might want to uh, dive into a little bit deeper different topics. Uh, So people have asked about the end times. They've asked about apologetics. They've asked about how to share the gospel with their friends. Um, This podcast is for uh, diving into kind of nuanced answers in sort of a 15 to 20 minute time span uh, where we ask our resident uh, theologian uh, different questions based on feedback that you're giving. So uh, if you're tuning in live, feel free to drop us notes in the comments. We may not be able to get to all the questions uh, each episode live, but we're going to keep them and store them for later. So even if you watch this uh, and we're not live, but you see it later, you can still feel free to comment and we'll see those and try to get to them in later episodes. And so, David, we're doing it, man. Welcome. Thank you. It's Glad good to be, be able to uh, pick your brain with uh, all of our friends. So. Man, this uh, pandemic time that we're living in, I think, has a lot of people afraid of uncertain times. I think it has um, Christians and non-Christians thinking about um, the nature of life and suffering and why things like this happen. Um, But I think even particularly for the church, I think a lot of people can wonder, how should we think about suffering uh, in these times and it, our relationship to God in the midst of it. And so I wanted to, to pose that to you at the outset of this episode, kind of start off real light uh, with sure. topics like why suffering in the world. Right. Well, this is a, an incredibly deep 
topic for many, and it would take days and many, many resources to do the topic justice. However, I think we can um, we can speak to it, um, and I'm going to speak to it from somewhat of a personal experience. Um, and this experience is by no means was no means a devastation or anything, um, or by no means any uh, thing that radically altered you know the the affairs or the uh, the condition of my life but its timing I think was from the Lord um, and and really it, it wasn't even a, a, an actor or a situation that caused suffering but it, it did serve as a reminder to why suffering happens um, I think we see many cases for suffering not only being permitted by God but also ordained by him uh, I can think of several texts, you know, uh, Genesis with, um, with Joseph, uh, one of the sons of, of Israel and, uh, the whole book of Job, um, much of second Corinthians, second Corinthians one, second Corinthians four, I think later in second Corinthians 10, um, the book of, uh, first Peter, uh, we see in Romans eight, we see that, um, God's design for the believer is suffering and and the, the really the purpose of that and I think we can see this from the outset is that God's desire is to produce in us a desperate dependence on him rather than ourselves. And so um there's an excellent quote I'm going to paraphrase it uh from a book that a gentleman named Jared Wilson wrote. Um the book is called Gospel Wakefulness and it, it um he says that there's you know we all know the cliche that when God you know sh- shuts a door he uh, he also opens a window. But he says, or maybe it's the will of God that he not only shuts the door, but traps you inside the house while it comes crumbling down. And I think that that is real. And we, to to be intellectually and faithfully honest, we have to wrestle with that. And so uh, two weeks ago on the Monday night, we were having a, a snowstorm and it was a, for late in the season, it was somewhat of a bigger storm. Um, you know, we are in Vermont, it could snow tomorrow, but um, right. during the storm, uh, we, we'll regularly hear, hear the plow go by and it kind of shakes the house because of the proximity of our house to the road. And um, I remember sitting in my recliner and um, hearing this thunder, uh, this booming thunder, and it, the, the, uh, the, the pattern of it was very distinct. It was different than a plow. And I didn't know what was going on, and I was I was uh, thinking, man, I hope a tree didn't fall on my house. Well, my wife was at um, the kitchen window. She saw snow sprayed up on the window, and so I go looking outside, and sure enough, a, a big, uh, roughly eight-inch diameter limb fell from way up high. We have these big 100-foot-tall white pines right in the corner of uh, my yard. And it fell and it totally crushed, you know, my wooden fence. And um, it's, it was roughly 20 feet from my roof. So um, the rest of the night, I remember just kind of being gripped by this thought that a tree for, uh, could come crashing down on my roof at any time. Um, but even just a limb would be significant damage and could risk the safety of uh, my family. And so that was a little unsettling. And in that moment, it felt almost more threatening than COVID-19 uh, because really the tide had just started to turn in the U.S. for the COVID-19 pandemic. And so I was aware of what was happening and protocols were being established, protocols at my work, um, you know, ordinances and, and um, um, basically 
Um, executive orders were being placed by state authorities. So all this was happening, but it didn't feel that real just yet. And to me, the, the more serious and almost imminent threat felt like a tree coming down. And for anyone that knows anything about trees, white pines are particularly dangerous. They can fall easily in a windstorm. And so um, it, it shook me a little bit. And again, we weren't endangered. My house was not touched. Um, God is good. But I remember being gripped by that kind of fear of the unknown um, in, an, in a moment in the night. And the next morning, I, I've been methodically reading through the Bible cover to cover um, this year. And um, I was reading in the book of Judges at the time. And in Judges 13, we see the birth of Samson. Samson is well known by many who um, have read the stories of the Bible or who, who have grown up in church. And um, he was a Nazarite, which means he was given to the Lord by a vow from birth to be used and anointed by him and for special means. And um, in Judges 13, we see the narrative of his birth. And to make that chapter somewhat short, um, the angel of the Lord comes to the wife of Manoah, who is Samson's mother. And um, she doesn't know that it's the angel or the messenger or really like a, a representation of God, um, you know, his presence through his spirit. And um, we see this a lot in the Old Testament that the angel of the Lord is often like a Christophany uh, or a, a, a Christ epiphany. Um, some might even say it's a, a um, you know, a pre-incarnate Christ um, like Melchizedek. But anyway, the, so she doesn't realize that she thinks it's a man of God. She tells her husband, Manoah, they pray that he might come back because he had told her, you're, you're barren now, but you're going to be with child soon. And they pray he returns and Manoah offers him a meal. And the angel of the Lord says, I don't want a meal, but I'll take, what, what you should do is uh, make a, a sacrifice unto the Lord. And then um, this is what then takes place. He does make, he does establish that sacrifice. And it says in uh, Judges 13, starting in verse 18, And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? So Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering and offered it on the rock to the Lord, to the one who works wonders. And Manoah and his wife were watching. And when the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord went up in the flame of the altar. Now Manoah and his wife were watching, and they fell on their faces to the ground. The angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and to his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, We shall surely die, for we have seen God. But his wife said to him, If the Lord had meant to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering at our hands, or shown us all these things, or now announced to us such things as these. And I was just gripped by that uh, because I was reminded that God is God and I'm not. And if he intends to kill me through a tree crashing into my home, so be it. He's just, and it's, it's ultimately okay. But, but we also know from scripture that whether he gives or he takes away, right? Says Job, he, he fulfills his good purpose. Um, Job 23, 13 says, but he, speaking of God, is unchangeable, and who can turn him back? What he desires, that he does. For he will complete what he appoints for me, and many such things are in his mind. And 
I think there's both great comfort and awe that should be produced in the believer from reading this is that nothing we do is going to really change the intent and the purpose of God and his prerogative because he's God, he's unchangeable. Yet in this view of divine majesty and authority and power, he has given us great mercy because we now know that he intends for us to know him and to experience his love through the gospel of Jesus, his son. And so it's a beautiful thing when we can also read later in the New Testament, Peter writing to the church, he says this in 2 Peter verse 3, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. And so the beautiful thing for the believer is, am I, am I promised life tomorrow, physical life? No, but I am promised through the gospel of Jesus, the very promises of God to know him and to belong to him and to be his people for his possession. And so the right response to suffering is not a get out of jail free card or God take my suffering away because he may very well will that for us. But rather, we look humbly to who he is, to his character, and we see time and time again that even in his allowing and ordaining of suffering, he is good, and he has given us his very best in his son. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ Jesus. And so, if I die, my life is still secure, because my life is hidden with him in the heavens. And so, um, it's no longer a question of, will I be blessed or protected in, in this life, but rather he's preparing us for our home in the next. And so um, it was a fresh reminder to me that he might let a, house, a tree fall on my house. Uh, he might crush me under the weight of an eight-inch limb. He could, and, and he may very well do so. I pray he doesn't, but, but he's just, and he's also merciful. Because even if I'm given you know, a, a hand that I might not quite want, um, at, at, in the end, he has given me his very best in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Man, those are such good reminders. I, I think that the Lord has had our church there for the last few weeks, couple of months, just yeah. extolling the godness of God, right? And that uh, kind of undergirding all of our life experience. We've been talking about not um, interpreting God by our experiences, but it but looking at our experience through what we know about God and what we know to be true. And I think um, what the Lord reinforced for you highlights that so much for us that it, he, um, I think it's so important that he spoke to you through your regular Bible reading, right? And that is so huge that the most often the way that God speaks to us is through his word as you're reading it systematically. And you wouldn't expect that, uh, God's necessarily going to give you this, that word from that text, if it wasn't coupled with this tree almost falling on your house. Right. Right. Um, but I think that, um, it's important during these uncertain times to know that we have a God who is 100% just and good and that he loves us. 
and that he is using these things for uh, our joy in Jesus, for our maturity in Jesus, to help us depend on him in greater measure and to elevate him in our eyes. So, um, man, give us, give us kind of a parting word. Um, and then I want to ask you one question. We're going to, so one of the things we're going to fine tune this format, um, going forward, but I, I most normally want David to spend 10 to 12 minutes answering a question for us. And then, um, I think we're going to have David intro these times with some kind of random fact, because we joke around that David likes to know stuff. And uh, we'll just be in a meeting and he'll just say like, oh yeah, that, and he'll just go for like a minute on something completely random. And, um, and it's amazing. And then I want to have a time that we end each of these sessions together with us um, popping a question to David that he has no time to prepare for and, uh, and just have him give us uh, an answer off the cuff. So my man, give us a parting word for how can we, think about suffering or how God wants to use maybe not even just suffering in general, but this specific season that we find ourselves in, because it looks different for a lot of people, right? Some people have people, loved ones that are actually dying. Right. And then some have uh, their kids staying home and they're having to juggle jobs or joblessness with homeschooling their children. So how do we, how do we think about, those things on the ground and how do we think about God and how he wants to use those things right now in our life? I think the modus operandi for the Christian, uh, because we, as a Christian, we, we're saying, we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he truly is God and man, and that he has revealed to us the Godhead in his identity and in his mission. Um, and so we start there and that's, that's our operating conviction. And from there, because he's given us his very best in Christ, right? You, you, you see in the story of, um, of Abraham and Isaac and when God calls him to sacrifice him. And at the very moment before Abraham commits that act, the angel of the Lord steps in and says, you have not withheld your only son. Therefore, you know, I, I know you believe. And so that's the, like we can now turn to God and say, you have not withheld your only son. We know you love us. We know you love us. And so whether pain, sorrow, suffering, um, uncertain circumstances, whatever ebbs and flows with the tides of this life, we literally have a, a rock on which we stand, and his name is Jesus. And so that doesn't mean the struggles don't hurt and that the pain's not real and that the suffering isn't authentic. But it does mean that we have a hope in which one day he will wipe away every tear and he will, he will pick us up and we will no longer be cast you know, downward, but we will be looking upward to him. And so there's a great hope that we have. And these types of uh, circumstances produce within us a really a, a desperation that I think he wants in us because he, he wants us to seek him humbly. But two, they cause us to live with the end in mind, knowing that the answers to life and what we're looking for don't reside here. And that all of this is fading away, but there's an enduring hope and glory uh, in Christ Jesus waiting for us. Awesome. All right, man. So give us, um, give us a couple of resources for further study, right? What was that? 
give us a couple of resources for further study. If you wanted somebody that wanted to take a deep dive in and, and maybe you have different levels of study for people. So like, uh, you know, maybe more, don't give them all scholarly work, right? Somebody that sure. may not be a I mean, more in-depth reader. I would start really with the scriptures because um, there's plenty of examples in there. Um, you could read the book of Job. It's probably the most exhaustive book on suffering, especially in light of J Job being what the Bible calls a righteous man. But you see in spoiler alert, his righteousness isn't sufficient and that God wants to humble him and allows those crazy circumstances to take place and the suffering to take place so that it would produce a more, uh, um, a greater amount of godly fear in Job that he would see God even more rightly than he already did. And so I would start there. Um, you can look at plenty of, uh, there's plenty of instances in the new Testament, right? Um, in Romans 8, we see that we'll join in the glory of Jesus if we suffer, like Jesus has suffered. And then first, in First Peter, we see Peter writing to uh, churches that have uh, kind of dispersed because of persecution, and he's, he's exhorting them to continue in the faith and to endure suffering rightly. And, um, and so I would start with the scriptures because we, that's, our, that's the final word for us as Christians. Um, for other resources, um, there are some, I would look to books that talk about the grandeur and the majesty of God and also how, um, also Psalms, another book from the Bible. Um, there's a book that I would highly recommend. It's on my bookshelf. Um, it's basically regarding God's salvation through judgment. Um, let me, or actually it's in my, uh, it's in my logos. So right, while me, you're finding them, while you're finding them, I'm going to give them a couple. So, uh, one brother that we really respect a lot is Paul David Tripp. And I know that he has a book on suffering. I have not read that. Um, D.A. Carson has a book on suffering called How Long, O Lord? And I think that's a question that the psalmist asked the Lord a lot in the midst of suffering, learning how to lament and pray and to, to pray while feeling the difference between what you're experiencing and what God has promised. Uh, what do you find for us? Yeah, so this, this would be a, a much more um, academic reading. It's basically a textbook, but um, it's less on suffering and more a view to God for why we see salvation through the act of judgment. Because if we're going to call God sovereign and in complete control and really the great I am, certainly some suffering is just permissive, right? We see that in uh, some of the stories of Jesus, right? He asks... Uh, other Jews around uh, why certain people died and if it was because of their sin. And then the, the, you know, the conclusion is, well, we're all going to die. And some people die sooner than we think they should. And some people die through tragedies, but we're all going to die. So really death is coming after all of us. So it's not really a question of, uh, of when or if, but when, and even then it doesn't mean it's unjust or, or unkind of him to bring death soon. Now that doesn't, that, that doesn't, sometimes help when in the midst of like dealing with a loss of a loved one or anything, but it does for the long term, right? It's, it's a, it's a, a trajectory to the end in mind, but also a kind of a, a more academic text, God's glory in salvation through judgment um, by James Hamilton Jr. Um, this is a, a textbook. It's a biblical theology, but it looks through how God enacts judgment, which causes suffering for many, and how his people are saved from the midst of it, and how it's this recurring theme that really starts in Exodus 34. 
um, throughout the scriptures. And so, and this kind of also ties into why David, uh, King David, who wrote many of the Psalms, is he's also praying for judgment on the wicked because within that you see the salvation of the righteous. And I think that's incredibly connected to suffering um, because David is often suffering at the hands of his enemies, his political enemies, you know, his, uh, his own kinsmen. And he's uh, praying through what are called imprecatory Psalms for their judgment from the hand of God because in their judgment he is saved. And so we, we can't extract um, a general judgment on sin from suffering. But at the same time, I don't think we can also, we can't equivocate every bit of suffering as God's judgment. Like tragedies happen because we live in a fallen world. And a lot of them are the cosmic result of sin that's permitted by God. Maybe not necessarily like the the direct ordained will, but, um, but nonetheless, that's a, that's a complicated topic. And we can talk another yeah. time about that if we want. Yeah, we can have a follow up on that. So, um, man, thank you so much for the time. Like you said, there's this entire book's written on this and we're trying to treat it in a, in a 20 minute space. Um, it tune in next week, Tuesday at noon, uh, submit questions between now and then we'd love for this, um, podcast, this Facebook live to be as helpful and meaningful as possible. So if you have difficult texts, difficult questions, um, apologetics questions in times questions, um, stump the man. Let's, let's give, let's give David some hard questions. I would love to, um, take those that are, that require more nuance and do a whole episode around them. And then we can kind of do a Q and a time at the end. We're going to continue to fine tune the format. So if you have any feedback for us about things that you would add in and change, um, you can either submit those on the comments on Facebook or use our website, www.rivertownchurch.org to um, submit a form through our contact us and just let us know um, how you would change it or things that you topics that you would like to see covered. I want to leave you with this passage from first Peter. Uh, we did a sermon series in first Peter. So if you want to do a deeper dive on what God's word has to say about suffering in this life and how we endure as Christians, uh, you can check out that. Um, what do we call that? David set apart. Yeah. Uh, So our set apart series, you can find that at that same website, but here's how Peter begins uh, his letter. He, he tells us as believers that we're born again to a living hope through Jesus Christ uh, by his resurrection from the dead. And he says in this, you rejoice believers though. Now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And so as we experience these at certain times, man, may God give you grace uh, to trust him and know that he is only allowing you to go through what is necessary uh, for your joy in Jesus. And man, amen to that, right, Dave? Though we haven't seen him, we love him. We rejoice with joy and expressible and full of glory. Uh, we're able to rejoice in trials because like you, we know what we deserve. And when he spares us, like the tree not falling on your house, you think, man, he's, he's good. He's better than I deserve. 
And that's Amen. the story of our lives. So, man, thank you for your time and for your wisdom. Looking forward to next Tuesday, and uh, we'll see you guys then. Take care. Take care.